Hello, you're listening to Living Alone Together. I am your only host, Yen. All right. So today, I want to talk about、um, a topic that has been、uh, on my mind for two weeks now. I've really been mulling over this idea, which is the、uh, lack of an internal monologue. So it really, really got to me.、Uh, but before that. I want to talk about well. I want to complain a little bit, or else it wouldn't be my channel, would it? So I want to complain about the weather. It is the strangest weather ever. It doesn't feel like spring or the summer. It's kind of in between,、um, and it is raining. I could see that, but I don't feel that. It's not cool enough, and you 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 can't really even hear the rain. So it's really really weird kind of rain. I don't know. And、um, it's also not the romantic kind of rain. So, the best kind of rain, in my opinion, is the kind that elicits your desire to work harder indoors. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what I mean. Like, there are rains that are just、um, substantial enough, but not annoying enough.、Uh, substantial enough that you can hear them all the time, and you could just feel that. They're out there, and you can even see them,、um, see the raindrops all the time. But the rain I'm having now here is like the weaker kind of rain,、um, and it's annoying enough that you don't want to go out. But it's also not romantic enough. I think it doesn't have that、uh, cinematic effect. To your home. All right, I'm exaggerating a, a, a little bit too much, but the point is, this weather is completely undesirable, and I have nothing.、Uh, there's nothing I could do about it.、Um, nonetheless, <laughs> to balance things up、uh, a little bit, let me go back to another observ observation about about the country, the UK.、Um, I was just doing some. Grocery shopping, and I was at a retail park, and you know they've got multiple stores、um, all located at this retail park. So I went to an electronics store, and then the first things I I saw were a bunch of kettles. So、um, there were, I think, at least twenty kettles or even more on display. It was just a scene that I've never encountered in my entire life. So、um, there are so many types of kettles. You got the temperature control kettle.、Um, you've got the、um, normal kettle. So the, the one that that is just like a no frills one press, and then you get it boiling. And then you've got the vintage-looking kettles, which were in cream color, in light gray, in white, and all the romantic. Um, styles, and so and so, it was just really cute to see all the kettles lining up, and some of them could get really expensive, like a hundred and twenty pounds or something. So that was that was、uh, very pleasant to see. <laughs> so I guess it balances out the、uh, unpleasantness of the rain of the in between kind of rain. I don't know what I'm talking about. The point is. I want to talk about something that is a little bit intense to talk about, so I wanted to just just ease into the topic. I don't know if I'm doing it right. 
I already said it's going to be about the lack of an internal monologue. So if you're someone who, I guess, is on top of everything, you would know that this issue actually peaked about three years ago. So for the unenlightened like me, I guess I'll have to recap what exactly happened about three years ago. So some guy who was um, who was studying psychology at the time um, uploaded a video, which is um, an interview he did with his I think co-worker or a fellow psychology student, and she apparently doesn't have internal monologues, um, and actually they didn't. I don't remember if they defined um, internal monologues uh, very clearly but I guess the idea is simple, um, is simple enough it's just that when you're thinking you can form words in your mind without saying the words out loud and that would be your internal monologue of course this definition itself is very um, it's very vague what you mean by words and what you mean by uh, a voice in your in your in your mind or in your head or in your heart, um, but it's roughly that. Um, so when you're writing, you're writing things down, and visually there is uh, a paragraph. Uh, but instead of doing that, you are doing it all behind the scenes, and no one can hear them except for yourself. And so I think uh, a crucial component of uh, an internal monologue is the voicing of it so you can hear you um, and that is what makes up an internal monologue um, so 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 this issue became like came into popular parlance about three years ago when this guy uploaded the video the interview and he asked this um his friend a bunch of questions and she just described what it's like to not have an internal monologue and uh, apparently about a bunch of people were just shocked to, to know that these people existed, that um, some people just don't have this inner voice, inner speech. Um, so one of the examples of not having an internal monologue um, is when you're reading. So this woman uh, in the interview, she says that uh, when she's reading, she doesn't have a voice echoing in her mind. So there's no, when she's reading, she doesn't read it out loud in her mind <laughs> she doesn't read it in her mind rather she uh reads visually and i think she's trying really hard to describe it but she says something about um looking at the grammatical structure of the paragraph or the sentence and then making sense of the sentence out of that visual grammatical structure um she didn't elaborate on this one that that well i think if i could Add. I think what she means is that, for example, in the proper sentence, you wouldn't have so many propositions all lined up at the same time. So propositions are typically only one or two um, letters long, right? And for a sentence to be gra grammatical, you probably wouldn't have consecutive um, propositions, right? Um, therefore, you're going to have a combination of, of adjectives and of propositions, of nouns and subjects. And so when you line them up, um, the sentence will look a certain way. It's not going to be all 
uh, let's say immigration, like a long word. That that's what I mean. Immigration and what else is a long word? <laughs> Fascination, and then all the words ending with the same thing. You're not gonna see that in a proper sentence, in proper writing. Nor are you gonna see a bunch of um, adjectives. So all the words ending with maybe um, ing or um, uh, beautiful. So with uh, ALUL something like that. I imagine that if you go if you go um, if you do the research properly, uh, I feel like that's what she uh, what what she she said to translating to. So there's a proper way that uh, sentence should look if it's grammatically correct. You're gonna see a combination of a bunch of endings of capitalizations and all that. And so she described in the video that that's how she reads. She's she's not gonna hear any voice in her mind. She just looks at it and then she even um, use, uses this hand gesture to show that a, a nice sentence will actually have a certain kind of form um, and that's how she reads. And she, I think she said that she she doesn't really enjoy reading for that reason because it's not exactly easy for her to read. So there's one thing about internal monologues. It means that she doesn't produce any voice in her mind and that affects her reading. <clears throat> and then very interestingly I think someone comments in the on the um comments below that that when she, when they uh, watch some drama and then um the protagonist may have an like an OS kind of thing they would say something out loud they would say their uh, emotions out loud and for the audience to see they thought it's just for dramatic effects and they didn't know that um, people actually do do that in, in real life so they would be saying one thing and having another thought in their mind which they can hear but the um, the interlocutor uh, cannot so so I think the person who commented uh, was probably someone who didn't have this internal monologue so that's the gist of the idea of not having an internal monologue it's just that you don't voice out um, sorry you cannot have an alternative voice in your head that expresses your um, your feelings or your uh, thoughts um, and another manifestation of this uh, it's in another video another woman she she says that she doesn't have internal monologues and basically she has to voice out every single thought she has so she's pretty direct with people as in she doesn't have two versions of what she wants to say she just says it and then that would be her final thought on a matter um, and I think she also mentions that she talks to herself so there was that and the reason that uh, I've been thinking about this was I mean is that I I I talk to myself a lot and sometimes I just cannot help it and yet I don't think I'm precisely the kind of person who doesn't have an internal monologue um I I do think a lot but often I end up just saying all these things out loud when I'm walking um I don't even know if if it's uncontrollably um like I'm, I'm doing it uncontrollably or or is it more of a conscious thing um i can't really tell but i definitely do do it and sometimes it makes me a little bit uncomfortable if i cannot if if i have to stop talking to myself on the street so 
I was just thinking about it. It was kind of interesting. And I think I really relate to the second woman a lot, where she says that she just has to say the only thing on her mind because she, she doesn't have an, an alternative voice in her head. And I just reflected on on um, some of the things that my friend said to me before. She said that, how can you just say whatever is on your head? And it, it wasn't proper to, to mention, to make that comment. And I think, and you know, back then I was really upset uh, by the comment because she, I think she was right. And I was just thinking, how can I be so stupid and socially incompetent? And then at the time I had a brief period when I believed that I could be slightly um, on the, autistic spectrum. I, I think I actually even mentioned this on the podcast somewhere. I think I had an episode when I talked about um, about the uh, autistic spectrum. In any case, yeah, I was, you know, people were saying that I was too direct. I don't hide my, my thoughts. Um, and so I went into this whole rabbit hole of researching Asperger's and uh, the signs that you have Asperger's and I looked up uh, things like uh, female Aspies because apparently they were better at hiding their Asperger's than, than male Aspies because they're more socialized and blah 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 so I went into all this rabbit hole just to clarify whether I am actually socially inept or if I have um, Asperger's and it was just it was just ridiculous now to think of it. Um, but then now I've got another theory, which is perhaps I am someone who doesn't have an internal monologue or who doesn't have as strong of an internal monologue than than others. So um, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't I don't have the correct terminology to describe this. I just did a really really brief quick uh, search online and. Um, Apparently, the research on this kind of inner feeling, inner thought, and things that ju- are just not voiced out, it was the this kind of research happened in the 1990s. So there's this guy called Russell Hurlbert, and he did a bunch of uh, well, he did a lot of research on this inner speech uh, thingy, and so he's. Uh, I think according to his research, about 30 to 50% of the people don't have the uh, an internal monologue. And um, his research method is kind of interesting. Basically, he would assign, he would give his participants um, a, a beeper. And whenever it beeped, they're supposed to write down what's on their mind at the moment. And then they would follow up. So for example, if some person says that writes that uh, I want to buy bread and then they will follow up and they will ask them what do you mean by by this expression like do you I are you actually thinking the words I want to buy bread in your in your head or um, do you actually do you have a full sentence do you have bread or do you like the just the word bread or do you have a image of bread or the supermarket or are you just feeling hungry? And like, what exactly do you mean by that thought, right? So that's kind of interesting. So that's the origin, so to speak, of the whole research on internal monologues. And then um, this Dr. Herbert, he came up with the statistics, 30 to 50% uh, don't have it. And 
So that's kind of the root of this this uh, research. So it's it's a pretty new study, right? It's not even fifty years, um, and I think I think that's precisely because you're trying to study something that like the lack of internal monologues. Like how are you supposed to measure something that doesn't exist? I think that's the that's a real question, um, and then this research ties into the lack of a inner monologue. Uh, sorry, the, the lack of inner monologue ties into the phenomenon called aphantasia. So uh, it means to like that you're not able to form mental images in your head. So internal monologues have to do with words and then aphantasia uh, has to do with the lack of image forming. And um, so, for example, you can't really picture your apartment. You can picture someone's face in your mind, something like that. So often this is paired with the lack of of an internal monologue. So then the question goes to show that, so the study goes to show that maybe, I mean, a lot of people probably just literally are not thinking of anything uh, at all times. If they are, if they don't have an internal monologue and they don't have an internal uh, image, if they have aphantasia, then it probably means that there's just nothing going on in their head, as in their internal head world is just completely quiet and empty. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's definitely a fantastical scenario for me. Um, so going back to my situation of why I talk to myself so much then, I was just thinking, I don't know if anyone has done this research, but I was thinking that maybe it's a spectrum thing as well. So, um, because to be honest, I, um, when I'm reading, I can have, I can form the voice in my head, although it's not going to be so strong. It's not going to be every single word that I say out loud in my mind. So it's not, um, but I'm definitely not like the woman who claims that all she sees is the structure of the sentence visually and she doesn't really form a voice. So in that regard, I do have an internal monologue, but in the other regard, which is the speaking to oneself kind of thing. I I do feel the urge to to talk just to say out loud what I'm thinking. Uh, wh whether it's when I'm alone and just walking, I do feel the urge to say things out loud uh, when I have a thought in my mind. Um, or if it's with uh, in a conversation with others, I just tend to, I don't, it's, it's not very easy for me to separate what I'm saying versus what I really am thinking about. So, I often just say whatever is on my mind, and and I think I think there's evidence that I do do that. As in, compared to others, I do say a lot more what's on my mind. So I've had friends who told me that sometimes they just don't understand my train of thought. They feel like I'm just jumping around a lot, and that they it's really difficult to follow what I'm saying because there doesn't seem to be a logic to it. And then so combined with my tendency to self to talk to myself on the street, um, combined with people saying that I'm too direct with my comments, um, and so the fact that sometimes people cannot follow my thoughts when I'm when I'm talking to them, I think these are the indicators that I lean towards having uh, no internal monologues. So in that respect, I I think it's probably because. I cannot summarize what's in my head first before saying them. I just have to say them because I, 
I, I'm probably weak uh, in that regard. I, I'm, I probably am lacking that ability, like others, to be able to form a clear boundary between what they're saying versus what they're say, thinking. I think maybe I have a really weak ability to um, to articulate first in my mind and then say them out loud. So that's why people get confused sometimes. They feel like um, I'm not really, they can't really follow my train of thought because I don't summarize things. I just say whatever is going on in my mind. And I suspect that most human minds are just very messy subconsciously, but uh, maybe 50% or more of the people who have a strong internal monologue, they could, they could separate, they could summarize things more or less before they say them. And therefore, their logic is about is, is clearer than someone who doesn't have an internal monologue, who just has to, like they're speaking out loud all their outlines, and therefore it could be difficult to to follow them. That's my theory. So I was thinking that maybe there is. I, I've got I've got to look this up. You know, maybe there is this spectrum thing. So um, some people have nothing. Like they don't have an inner image. They don't. Um, they can't really read with the inner voice saying things and they uh, can't really think without saying things out loud so they just say whatever is on their mind and everything's just out there all at once and maybe there's a spectrum right and so for me maybe i am in between uh, having and not having an internal monologue so i can read quietly if i see the words in, in front of me in a, in a book i can read i can form the the words in my mind, I can think that way. But um, if it's just free floating thinking, um, I think it might, I might, it, it might be difficult for me. I mean, it's probably more difficult for me than other people to really formulate, to articulate what I am thinking about in my mind before saying them. Um, because because I do feel like my self talking. It, it's almost uncontrollable. It's almost an urge and it's not something that I do for pleasure. <laughs> it's not something that I, I do enjoy it, but it doesn't it's not something I look forward to doing. And um, by the way, as I as I mentioned in some other episode, I, I started this voice journaling and it really helped me because um, instead of writing things down, I find that it's much easier to summarize what I'm thinking when I say them out loud so maybe that has to do with it as well so it it's not it's not really a an important yoga move like a meditation move it's not really to um, soothe my emotions or anything um, it's not really a millennial discovery kind of self-help move it really maybe it has to do with everything has to do with this lack or this weak sense of a internal monologue, and uh, for me, I just have to. It's just what other people do in their mind. I just say them out loud um, because I have to. Because it's difficult for me to to whisper them in my mind. Maybe that's the thing. So it was. That's why. Um, that's why this whole discovery of the quote unquote news <laughs> about three years ago um, really um, was really consuming for me because I was just just going over this concept a lot and thinking ironically about about this issue a lot um 
And so yeah, so I suspect my personal diagnosis is just that I am somewhere in between. Like I, I probably don't have a strong uh, voice, inner voice, but I uh, I can do some basic inner voicing, but probably not like the best that you can find on planet Earth. Um, so I guess, well, of course you could go into this whole research uh, yourself, um, but I, in the very brief online reading I did, I did, uh, there was this article written by Lurenbrook, uh, written in 19, sorry, 2019, and uh, the, their team actually, they did an intense study on, on internal monologues, uh, apparently there are three three aspects of it they research diagonality so it could be a monologue or a dialogue and then they would classify things um then there is the second thing which is condensation so and this kind this is kind of interesting i think this is this relates to what i was saying about the intensity of of internal monologues which is is it verbose so if it if it occurs in bullet points or just words or sentences or could you go all the way to a whole paragraph in your mind without saying them out loud, right? And the third is intentionality. So does it happen uh, randomly? Um, or like, do you have to activate your thinking, your mind to have an internal monologue? So all of this just shows that this is a really um, big topic that you could go on forever and I, I'm not, I have no affiliation with psychology so I have no idea how they can do the actual research but just imagine the, the amount of work you have to do to go through to do something that could be non-existent for some people. So yeah, so that's, that's really, that's really interesting and that's something I really, I want to share with you. But more than that, I think I think what what really um, interests me is is how this relates to the um, to our identity. So um, obviously, I think a lot of times writing a journal or doing a voice journal it really helps. Um, well, it has ties to the yoga movement or the or the meditation movement because because I think writing down your thoughts has something to do with consolidating your feelings, your emotions, uh, your ideas, and therefore your identity. So I think this whole movement has to do with identity searching, right? Um, it is whatever you're writing down, uh, whatever complaint you have in your diary. Um, it's definitely a way to separate yourself from the external world and therefore I can see the connection. It's very easy to see the connection of how writing and maybe doing voice journaling, how journaling has to do with a sense of identity. Um, but then the the question then becomes, well, what, what about these people who have no internal monologues at all? right and suppose they don't do any voice journaling or um diaries is it even possible <laughs> like do you know how do they even cope with their real emotions and their, their sense of self that is isolated that should be isolated from whomever they're talking to right so imagine that that lady who says that she pretty much has to say every single thought on her mind 
because she cannot do an internal voicing. Um, well, imagine that she just does that and she never like she just blurps out everything on her mind, and and talks about what she really thinks. And there's no <coughs> alternative um, speech anywhere in her life. Like she doesn't write things down when she goes home, uh, when she feels she's not happy with the situation. She just talks it out loud completely like maybe through talking to herself or um i don't know like suppose she doesn't really talk to herself she just talks she just says everything on her mind directly to the other person then how in the world i wonder would she have a real sense of self because because well in my mind um your sense of self is strongly tied to what you're thinking right so i think often well, as adults, I suppose, um, and the real difference between adults and, and children may be that adults have this um, boundary or this filter. So they don't speak whatever is on their mind. They have, they would compose a little bit before they sp speak, um, and they have a strong division system. So they have close friends and family versus like co-worker acquaintances, blah, blah, blah. And then the, in the most, innermost circle is of course their, their self, um, whom they love the most. <laughs> so, and then the, they would give out degrees of truth, um, degrees of what they're really thinking. And, um, and then, so, and then to, to a certain extent or to, uh, with regards to certain things, they would not even say it to anyone. They were just thinking. They might not even write it down or say it out loud. Uh, they just have it as an internal monologue. And and um, that really is probably, like, it's probably the thing that really ties them to their sense of identity, right? How I feel about something that I don't want to share with anyone else, like something that I am not going to write on my CV, something I'm not going to... Um, talk about in a party, something I'm not going to talk about with my friends even. Everyone must have some of these thoughts lingering around and then they must have some sort of core principles that they... Maybe it's not by, by choice that they don't share it, it's just I never... No one actually inquires about your core philosophy um, that much. Uh, or it's just like no chance to, to share them so they just keep it to themselves but it's still there right so let's say if a political thing topic is taboo in your country then but and then you still can vote then well that could be part of your inner monologue that you just never share with anyone else um, and that may very well be um, something in your core identity or for example I don't know your sexual preferences or how you feel about your closest families and friends right like all of these things are probably um, it's very likely that you just keep them to yourself and that literally means having a long internal monologue in your head um, that you just never share with anyone and that has everything to do with who you think you are and how you're different from the people uh, in your circle, right? Um, so that's all well and good, except how about, again, these people who just don't have this internal monologue, what if, and I, it's probably not something by choice. I don't know, I've got to read 
uh, more about the research, but suppose it's not something by choice. So suppose that some people just have, like the lady in the in the interview, she just cannot read with an extra voice in her mind. She just has to do it uh, pictorially, um, and you know, imagine these people who just cannot form um, not even one word in their mind. They just don't have internal monologues. Um, then how in the world? Um, can they know who they are or can they summarize their feelings and thoughts about certain things? Um, do they actually just write down whatever they're thinking or say them out loud, right? So that's something that, that's got me thinking, like the true nature of identity. Is it something that you don't share with others or you do share with others? I think to be fair, all right, I think, suppose uh, if it's true that about 30 to 50 percent of the population don't actually have the ability to form voices in their mind or and and or if there's a variation of the intensity or the condensation right suppose some people can just form paragraphs and paragraphs of voice in their head and some people like me can only occasionally have a few words here and there and suppose it's just an ability that you cannot train yourself to do suppose that's a thing then i think that it probably isn't fair or it probably wouldn't be a good definition to say that your identity is tied to um what you really think deep down in your heart in your mind right because well identity has to be something that everyone has if you buy that definition if you buy this premise that everyone has a personal identity then um, the definition of identity should be something that um, everyone has. So if, to, to be more controversial, right? Uh, if you're into cultural wars at all, uh, a common question is what exactly is a woman, right? And then people will say, well, a woman is someone who has um, the female reproductive system. But then uh, some people are gonna jump out and say, well, no, that's not quite true. There are some women uh, who don't have, who have parts that are lacking, right, or not functional, blah, 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 or, oh, a woman is someone who gets periods, blah, blah, so, like, there are, there are all these theories and definitions of a, of a woman, and then the more, uh, the activists will come out and say, look, it's, it's just, it, it doesn't go like that, because even those who, like, there, it, there's just no universal, um, compartments that make up a, a complete human woman, um, anyway, my point is that, the definition of a woman, like the def sorry, the definition of identity, like the definition of a woman, it should probably should be something that is more or less universal, right? Like the more universal it is, the better it is. Or else you're practically saying that if you're if it's something that only applies to ninety percent of the people, then you're really saying that um, ten percent of the people don't even have an identity. That's even worse than um, finding. I think for women it's a different issue because maybe roughly only about 50% of the population um, is, is a woman anyway so so uh, if we don't have a universal we don't we can't really define what woman is I mean it like it's just gonna shatter about 50% of the population's um, sense of who they are but identity it should be a universal thing it should be something that that everyone more or less has um and yet then if it's tied to what you really think about the world how you're feeling about the world and all the inner things going on and yet you don't even have a mechanism of of 
assessing the inner things, um, of voicing them, <clears throat> um, then it becomes interesting. It, 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 it really, the question is, well then, what can you say is really the self? Is it the stuff we do say that we do write? So if instead of saying that um, your identity is tied to what you really think that you never say, identity is uh, whatever you write, whatever like the, all the text messages you've ever sent, all the all the words you've ever spoken to to anyone, even with yourself to yourself all the maybe journaling that you're doing, if identity has to do with what is visible, what is out there and has nothing to do with the internal monologue, then, <laughs> then the question is, well then, what exactly is um, the significance of internal monologues? And in other words, what exactly, like what you actually think does it really matter at all? Because, well, the premise is that um, it has all of these have something to do with your identity, what you're thinking, your emotions, how you feel, how you approach and visualize and think about the world. Um, well, then, if we want to have like the biggest, most encompassing definition of identity ever, um, then the identi identity cannot be bound to the. Uh, something that 30% to 50% of the population lack, right? Um, in other words, you cannot define what you don't ever say out loud um, as your identity. Um, I don't know if it's clear enough. Um, basically, then, so my question then is, why does it matter? Um, or why does the whatever you were thinking that you never really share with anyone matter at all? So, for example, it's a simple question, right? For example, if you meet someone and then they ask you, how do I look in this dress? And you think it's horrible, um, but then you tell them, oh, it's lovely, right? All right, so which one, which comment has more to do with your perception, has more to do with your identity um, of your taste, right? Which one has to do do, with, do, do more with it? Um, because your, your, your real thought is that it's horrible, but what you say is it's great, it's lovely. Um, but no one can know what you're thinking. Like, no one knows that you think it's horrible. Um, if you just never say it out loud, no one would know that except for you, right? But then, if this ability to, to make this um, parallel statement in your mind only applies to to uh, people who have an internal monologue or the capacity to, to have an inner, inner voice or to have inner images, then what about these people who uh, just don't have this ability, right? Well, for one, maybe what will happen is that, so there's two scenarios, maybe uh, like the lady in the interview, she's just, she's gonna say it's lovely and she doesn't even think about thinking that she doesn't even think that it's horrible at all i don't know how that's gonna work out but um maybe she just she just says it it's lovely um another situation could be the other lady who says that she really talks to herself all the time um she's just gonna say it's horrible right and that's just that's just her that's just that's just her real feeling about it 
I think the second case is easy um, because her um, her inner truth is aligned with her outer truth. So whatever she says is the truth and the only truth and she doesn't have like a parallel universe in her mind um, doing all the calculations and like uh, lying <laughs> to others. She's just very authentic. She just says whatever's on her mind. She doesn't hide anything because she just can't hide anything. She just says whatever is on her mind, right? But what about the first situation where Yes, she says it's lovely, but how can we know or how can we assess what she's really thinking that she doesn't like something she doesn't say, but she doesn't really have words to 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 form um it's horrible the sentence in her mind, right? So that's that's kind of interesting. And and if that's the case, and given that this kind of person exists, um can we say that her real self is the um, non-verbal part, like the, the the person who thinks that it's horrible, or is her real self closer to the person who says it's lovely? So I I got just so entangled by by all the question of identity because I I do think that it would be unfair to say that who you really are um, is tied to your inner monologue because then there will be a bunch of people who cannot do that. Um, just like the the um, sex activist or the gender activist who would say that well it's not fair to say that uh, women are tied to this or that part of the body because there are women who just don't have that and yet they are still women so i think the question of identity is bigger right it's, it has to do with people altogether so anyway so that's, a, that's a something i've been thinking about a lot and then it goes back to yeah so i just i just think about authenticity i was just thinking about let's say if you go on a dating profile or you just meet someone new all right let's skip the dating profile thing <laughs> you meet someone new and often the first um few questions that are gonna come up um are what's your job what you do what's your like what you do in free time um what have you been watching on tv did you see this movie or not or do what kind of music do you listen to so it's kind of like the first date, first friendship talk kind of questions. Um, and basically all of these, the answer of these questions are pretty much um, things that you've consumed, right? Uh, where have you been? Where were you born? Or I don't know, like just, you know, you know, drill. So, so then the ironic part is, well, these are just things that have nothing whatsoever to do with your identity, do they? Because they are things that you've consumed. By the definition of consumption, it's just something you've you've eaten up from the production, like for, for someone else has produced. But it, it, you, you can't possibly say that your identity is just tied to the permutation, the particular permutation of 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 the movie and the and the food you like and the language you know and the and the people you like and the places you've been like yes perhaps there are an infinite combination of all of the things you can possibly consume in your life and and that you got a unique combination but still I think it would be silly to say that a person's identity is just it's just that it's just what you like and dislike in a visible form, like a way you can share with others, right? Um, and so we go back, it goes back to, but then the question would be, uh, well, maybe is it 
in terms of um, production because when it is about how we really feel about something, I think it's really tricky. I think I think your inner voice and your internal speech is another form of production, right? Um, yes, you could be an artist, you could produce music, you can write novels, whatever, you can write text messages, you can talk to others. These are all more or less forms of production. But um, then the question is, how about your inner voice? Like, what percentage, if any, does it count towards your personal production? Um, in the grander scheme of things. So, so, so let's take it to the extreme, right? Suppose you are, um, you're dead and um, in your funeral, your, your friends start to talk about you and they talk about the kind of person you are, right? So yes, then you will see how, how ridiculous it is to count consumption as part of your identity because you're probably not gonna, they're probably not gonna say, well, you know, um, um, she's always loved movies by this director, she's always loved reading. Um, no, I think that's not the main thing about you when it comes to your funeral. Um, if you actually have done a lot of work over your lifetime, they could say that, oh, well, she's produced this and that through her company, or she's um, being a great mother, a great father, she has this and that friend, blah, blah, blah. Now the question is, well then, how about your inner thought? Would they go on to display in your funeral? Okay, this is like it's really strange, but but suppose like suppose you just like does it even matter, right? By definition, your inner monologue is something that no one else can hear but you. So if you're dead, no one would know of your inner monologue. Um, so it's probably not going to be mentioned at all in your funeral. They're not going to say that, you know, she's an active um, supporter of, of Republicans or a particular p political party. Suppose you never shared who you voted for um, at all and you just you just secretly, well, you just go on your business and you vote for someone all the time and you never talk about it and people don't discuss it at all, right? Um, and but you have thought about it internally in your mind, you just never share it. Well, would that thing be part of your identity, right? And would that thing be more like a consumption? I think it's definitely more like production. And yet, because it's internal monologue, no one has access to it. And so it's not going to be part of your identity in terms of a funeral <laughs> scene. Um, so then why does it matter to have an internal monologue at all? Um, in other words, and, and that is really uh, a really sensitive question to me, I think. The question is, why does what you think matter at all in this world? I think, I think that's why this whole conversation or this whole um, research on internal monologue really triggered me or just like got me thinking because, because of this. Like, um, if by definition internal monologue is something that you don't say and that you're just thinking in your head and just the voices, that some sort of mechanism in your mind, um, why in the world does it matter what you're actually thinking when no one else can access it? So you think the dress is horrible, but you never said it. You just say that it's lovely. Um, and, and yet, like, and then it's really tricky then. You think you're thinking that it's horrible. It definitely has something to do with 
your sense of your taste, your aesthetics, um, and can you really say that your aesthetics doesn't really bind to, doesn't really form who you are and how you interact with the, with the world? I think it has something to do with your taste, right? Uh, but 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 if you never really share them with anyone, if you never talk about this publicly, um, if you never really told anyone, does it really, does it does it matter what you're thinking? <laughs> does it matter what your tastes are? Um, and so it just it just be, and yet we like to think that uh, what's really on my mind does matter it should matter right it should what I'm thinking in the moment what I how I feel about things even when I cannot form uh, a clear sentence about my feeling these should matter it has to do with who every bit has has to do with who, who I am right but but then that's a tricky thing <laughs> like is the truth you say out loud um, the truth or is the truth you're thinking that you've never said really um, the, the real you, right? So, um, and then, I mean, you just go into this rabbit hole about in, about the definition of truth, the, like, the, the, your inner voice and, like, how, whether, whether it's, whether, um, you could have two versions of truth, uh, two kinds of opinion, blah, blah. And so I just got into this, this whole big um, thinking train, train of thought, and it just got really intense. So I don't have an answer, answer yet. Um, and But it was just really enlightening to, to think about the possibility that maybe, maybe um i first of all i personally don't have that strong uh, of an internal monologue maybe i i'm more lacking in that regard compared to others and that could explain a lot of uh, perhaps antisocial or confusing behavior that i have um but on the other hand the question the real question is is the question of identity right um if it doesn't matter what we're consuming and the only thing that really matters that defines who we are are the actions and the production. Um, oh, I have to adjust something I said. I said something about voting, a political party, but you never really talk about it. I think voting more or less is a way of expression already, but let's say you never really go to vote, but you do internally think about who you like better. That's the kind of situation I'm talking about. Like, does that still, uh, is that still part of your personality? Is that still part of who you really are? If you never voted, you never talk about politics, but you do have, you have thought about who you like better, right? So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So it doesn't matter how you feel internally. And I think, and this has some ties to, to the whole social media milieu today, where there is an extremely low bar for existence in a way that as long as you have internet, you exist. You have you, you don't have any excuse to be off the grids now, and um, and you if you don't talk about your life, if you don't share what you are, if you don't produce really, you're virtually non-existent online, and that means you're virtually non-existent because existence is tied with whatever you are online now. So that's a whole other issue, but. I think broadly it ties into a question of, of, of core identity, like what, because I, I have, I used to have a really naive view that what I really think 
is the only thing that really matters. It doesn't matter what I say or um, my what I'm saying is just like a tip of the iceberg of what I'm thinking in my mind. Except I have to say them out loud. But um, but then then this phenomenon of the lack of internal monologue got me thinking. Well, what if you just never really do anything about your thought? You don't say them out loud. You don't write them out. You don't even verbalize them. You don't have an image of them. Uh, but you must have thoughts, right? Um, well, then, do you do do you really have a thought in that case? And then, even if you do have internal monologue, um, since they are internal monologues, and well, it doesn't even matter what you're thinking. And then, if it doesn't matter what you're thinking, if all that matters is whatever bullshit you put um, in your school assignment, whatever lies you write in your public statements, whatever um, like vote you casted or whatever movie you've seen or you know production or consumption if if all that matters is what could be filled or or seen by other other people or heard by other people then that's quite a very sad and limited definition of identity um, um but then identity must be a fair thing it must be have a more or less universal um definition and so you have to count the people who don't have internal internal monologues in and so then in that case we might really have to exclude what you think as part of your identity then well because then if you don't if you say well you know what you think you never say these matter then what about the people who don't have internal monologues so i guess i hope the logic is clear so i think this phenomenon just got me really thinking hard about identity and uh, maybe i'll do another episode on this but it's really difficult to to formulate this and i it just makes me think about how how insignificant uh, we are really because um just think about the people who never has an internal monologue and um or it's very for for whom it's very difficult to form internal monologue well how could they well, maybe, maybe they're the answer, right? Maybe uh, whatever you say and do out loud is the only thing that really matters to your identity. But I don't know. Um, I, I think I wouldn't want that to be the definition because if you're not really doing a lot, it means that you don't really exist a lot. So in any case, so that's what I've been up to, which is doing nothing. But um, I hope this discussion um, this monologue has been fruitful. Um, I'm, I'm definitely gonna go more, like, look deeper into this identity thing and maybe more on the internal monologue thing from a psychologist's point of view. But that's a lot to think about, isn't it? So <laughs> that's about it for today. Hope you'll enjoy this episode and uh, see you soon. Bye.